0: Hello fellow horror fiends, James Barnett here, creator and producer of The Night's End. Thanks for listening. Just a couple of things before this week's episode. I'd like to welcome some new patrons that I'm yet to mention here. A big thank you to Samantha Bryan, Gary and Emily for joining The Night's End Patreon. This monetary support helps pay for the ongoing costs of this podcast, and I couldn't keep going without you. Thank you. Two more days to get your Halloween theme submissions in for consideration. Head to nightsendpodcast.com to submit. And lastly, if you enjoy the show, please share it. Help us to get into the ears of new listeners. Enjoy the episode, everyone.
1: Come, family. We must keep going.
2: But, Papa, we've been walking for so long.
1: Yes, I know, Lizzie. Only a bit further.
2: Edward, you keep saying that, and yet we are still walking.
1: Quiet, Mary. Not in front of...
2: What? Are you really going to stand there and say that we aren't lost? Mama, I'm truly lost... It feels like we've been walking for years. I know, darling. But at least we're together.
1: Well, hello there. Gods, who are you? Ed!
2: Manners! I'm sorry, gentlemen. We have been walking a long time and we are weary. My husband appears to have forgotten his manners. How do you do?
1: Well, it doesn't seem as though you can say the same. Sorry. No, we appear to be lost, and it feels like we have been for years. My name is Edward, this is my wife Mary, and this is our daughter Elizabeth.
2: How do you do?
1: Nice to meet you all. What is the last thing you
0: remember before this place?
2: We were travelling across the country to get to our new home. Edward here had been accepted for a new job. All was well until Mary became gravely ill. My mama says I almost died.
1: I'm sorry to hear it. Well, we could travel no further when we entered a town named Ravendown. I can see where this is going.
2: I would do anything to make my daughter well. And I had heard of a priestess that could heal. She healed little Lizzie here straight away.
1: Yes, but what was the cost, Mary?
2: It was an exchange for my
1: soul. yes. Hearing what she did, I pled with the priestess to take mine instead. She fooled me and claimed them both.
2: My mother and papa tried to take me out of town, and one night, or while they were sleeping, a little girl came and told me that wolves would devour us if I didn't offer up myself. I could see the eyes in the trees. I could hear their growls. That vile, evil woman tricked us all. Then we ended up here. We have not seen anyone but you two for a lifetime.
0: I'm so sorry this has happened to you. What's that, friend? Yes, good idea. My friend here has an idea and I tend to agree with them. We are working on freeing everyone in this realm from the evil here. We know a place you can go to be safe until then. There is a church, just around the bend. Where you can claim
1: sanctuary. Oh, thank you. We will not forget this. Speak to Alexander.
0: Thank you.
2: Come, Lizzie. Thank you,
0: sir. So many people to free. Again, we find ourselves at the middle of a story that we probably don't want to be a part of. You're right. We are obligated now. Let's get back to it. Kamaitachi Incident. Written by Toshia Kamei. Narrated by James Barnett. The sultry morning air lashes against my face, cicadas scream in the temple nearby, I squint against the glare of the rising sun and I try my hardest to keep up with Sasuke's brisk pace. His chonmage knot bounces on his shaved pate as he hurries towards the outskirts of Edo. A half moon still floats in the grey morning sky, but it's already getting hot. Beads of sweat roll down my forehead towards my nose. I dab at my brow with the sleeve of my kimono, as I follow Suzuki to the riverbank. As always, I have trouble keeping up with him. My leg bothers me, but my limp is more pronounced now, as if my bones know what my brain refuses to consider. Certain cities, like Edo, wake up early. The streets already bustle with life. Rickshaws race around each other in search of a customer. Donkeys pull creaking carts, occasionally dropping huge balls of dung in their tracks. A young housewife rushing toward the market comes to a sudden halt, and bows reverently before an elderly samurai. With bundles of books in their hands, school-aged children zigzag around puddles of water. Sasuke has his kimono hem tucked up into his obi, exposing his bare legs. His kimono sleeves are tied out of the way with a tasuki, On the other hand, we women are expected to cover ourselves even in boiling temperatures. At a time like this, I envy men. Only slightly. Edo's weather, particularly summer, doesn't agree with me. Winter is my kind of season. After all, as my given name, Ofayu, indicates, I was born in winter. While I maintain an outward facade of cool competence, I inwardly feel like a dog panting tongue hanging out. When we arrive at the crime scene, a multitude has already formed a noisy, jostling circle around a cordoned-off area on the riverbank, threatening to spill over. Onlookers crane their necks and shove each other to get a better look. Morbid curiosity runs rampant through the crowd. ''Get out of the way, coming through!'' Suzuki shouts, not bothering to hide his irritation. I mutter half-hearted apologies and elbow my way through the sweaty bodies. Someone pushes into me from behind, and I stagger forward, accidentally stepping on feet. A middle-aged woman yelps like a kicked cat and glares at me. I reach into my kimono sleeve, pull out my jitte, and wield it to indicate I'm here on official business. The bodies around me step back and make way for us. What do we have here? I mumble. As I crouch down by the lifeless body lying among loose pebbles. A wave of cologne assaults my nose and stings my eyes. The sparkle of fireflies from last night still lingers. Several gnats already spiral around their prey. Except for a gaping crescent-shaped wound in his throat. The corpse looks intact. The victim has about 20 ryo on him. But his wallet has been left untouched. Nothing of value missing blood is caked around his half agape mouth. A serial killer is on the loose, Sasuki says, shaking his head. We won't be able to keep this out of the tabloids much longer. This is the fifth time someone has been murdered in a similar fashion. Like the previous four cases, the victim has this peculiar wound. It looks as though a sickle slit his neck just below his left ear, tore through his Adam's apple, and severed the carotid artery, killing him instantly. Poor devil, he didn't know what hit him, I say, and turn to Sasuke. My hunch tells me a yokai is behind this. More often than not, my hunches turn out to be correct. I don't want to think about five years ago. I don't want to feel the pain. I don't want to rub my leg, to feel the scars twisting silver in the skin. But the longer this case goes, the more the nightmares hunt me like ravens. A shade of doubt crosses his face. You can't be serious. It's bad luck that my partner is a skeptic. I bet the farm on it. A kamaitachi, to be exact. I was born with a gift for magic, and my magical prowess has only grown with age. Now I can smell a monster from miles away. When the first case occurred, We theorized the murderer had attacked the victim from behind, and slashed his throat towards his ear. However, a closer look revealed his wound was shallow on the side, and deepened around his throat. No matter how skillful the murderer is, it's impossible to slit the throat instantly in such a manner. Which leads me to deduce that these killings aren't a human's work. I don't know about that, Sasuke says. I still think it's a lunatic. But what's his motive? Beats me. It's a yokai. It has no motive. Only base instincts. Trust me on this. Even so, Sasuke is too level-headed to believe in the supernatural. Sasuke frowns. He won't budge. His eyes shine with determination. He wasn't my partner when a new Mangled my leg with its fangs. You'll never know what it was like. And my summoning spell, how foolish I was. Believing I could summon and defeat a killer beast of my own went horribly wrong. Who's the victim? I asked. The The kabuki actor. No wonder he looks familiar. I think out loud out of habit. Hearing myself talk always activates my brain. I've seen flyers touting his ethereal beauty all over town. No doubt his looks had women swooning at his feet. Even as a corpse, Suki is still better looking than most men around, aloof and mysterious. He had a sizable devoted following, consisting mostly of young ladies. I'd have mooned over him too, if I were that kind of girl. Lucky for me. Don't swing that way, which saves me a lot of headaches and heartaches. Any witnesses? Sasuke points his chin to a pale girl fidgeting with her badly manicured fingers. This is Okiko, the president of Ryanosuke's fan club. When I glance at her, I notice how she trembles despite the heat. She says she followed Ryanosuke and Kinji, his fellow actor from the theater. While Sasuke continues to examine the body, I approach Akiku with a warm smile, designed to put her at ease. She tells me that when they reached the bridge, the two men argued. She wasn't close enough to catch a whiff of their conversation. They struggled, pushing and shoving one another, and Rianosuke fell off the bridge into the water. Does this look familiar to you? I show Akiku the Kaiken found in the river under the bridge. A white crane is embroidered on its hilt, indicating it belongs to a woman. Many women carry one inside of their obi for self-defense, and I'm no exception. I unsheathe it, and sunlight flashes bright on the sharp blade. Akiku turns paler. No. She hesitates for a moment before shaking her head. The story doesn't add up. For one thing, there's no evidence to indicate Riyana Suke drowned. Even so, she wants us to believe Rihanna Suke fell into the water, drowned, and washed up on the riverbank. His body shows no signs of drowning. His kimono isn't even wet. She's not fooling anyone. Still, we have nothing else to go by, certainly not enough to detain her any longer, so we cut her loose. When I returned to the Bugayo Show's office, I locked myself in the study and hit the books. While Sasuke is on the beat, sniffing around for evidence, I read up on the subject of the Kamaitachi as much as I can. In certain regions of Japan, such as Ichigo and Shinano, the Kamaitachi Sickle Weasel is blamed for inexplicable cuts on humans and animals alike. Sometimes a dust devil blows and tears the victim's skin, leaving a sickle-shaped wound. I grab a book from the shelf and thumb through the pages. My fingers stop at a page showing a drawing of a kamaitachi riding a dust devil, wielding its long, sharp claws. I stare at the image until my vision becomes blurry. The victim's faces flash before my eyes in a slideshow, one after another, each worse than the last, until my own face peers back at me. My hair, lank and matted with blood, I screams like burning alive. I hold my twisted leg and stare into the dark eyes of the yokai I thought I could control. The carnage haunts me asleep and awake, but I can't keep my eyes open any longer. I rest my head on a pile of books in an attempt to get some shut eye, at least until my headache goes away. The victims deserve better. A scream wakes me. It's my own. I blink a few times, then sit up. The morning sun seeps through the cracks in the closed blinds. Any unfamiliar sound or sight makes me jump. Respite will only come when we solve the case. I can't do it again. I can't possibly try the summoning spell again. Even if that's the only surefire way to bring the Kamaitachi close. I hold the Wakazashi that once belonged to my late father, sheathing and unsheathing it. I contemplate the blade. It's considerably longer than my kaiken. The kaiken is too short to repel the kamatachi's claws. I slide the palm of my left hand slightly down the edge. A shiver runs through me like cold rain. I make a mental note to wear the wakazashi before going out this morning. At dawn, a young man shows up at the gate. His gaudy attire tells me he's an entertainer of sorts. I'm turning myself in. The young man says i'm kinji a few years junior to rihanna Suki." kinji has exquisite features as women aren't allowed on stage young male actors play all female roles onagata who perform highly stylized versions of femininity are the stars in the thespian constellation their incandescent star power blinds those who come too close to them yet they burn brightly and then fade from view you push Suki into the river? Yes, ma'am. He nods, looking down. His apparent fragility reminds me of my orchid that died last year. That's a lie. But I don't know why he's making it up. Why did you do it? I go along with him for now. I meant no harm. He was like a big brother to me. Kinji falls into silence. I know you're innocent. Kinji audibly gasps. Would you care to tell me why you lied? He remained silent. I don't have all day. I let out a sigh of frustration. <sighs> Under ordinary circumstances, I'd have let you go. However, thanks to the tabloids, everyone thinks you've killed him. I better keep you here until things calm down. Riana fans are thirsty for revenge. Although I'm furious with Kinji for derailing our investigation. I don't want an angry mob to turn on him. I escort him to the Zashikiro, a private jail. He's too delicate to be locked up with common criminals. He sits on the tatami floor behind wooden bars. The door squeaks shut. Shortly later, Akiku shows up, insisting that she needs to see Kinji. One glimpse at the determination in her eyes tells me she won't take no for an answer. I lead her to Kinji's jail and leave them alone she bows as our paths cross on her way out may I have a word with you she looks paler than before and her voice trembles sure he didn't kill Rianosuke. He he's innocent Akiku looks down fidgeting with her fingers I know perhaps you could illuminate me I look her in the eye and she looks up Why did you two lie? It was Kinji's idea. She pauses, blinking away tears. He thinks I killed Ryanazuki over a disagreement. He told me to get rid of my kaiken and lie to you. A disagreement? She nods. Would you care to elaborate on that? Takes me a while to grasp the whole picture, but their discord was preceded by a love triangle gone wrong. The two actors were once inseparable. Rianosuke took the younger man under his wing, and Kinji's career began to flourish. Everything was rosy between the two, until Akiku came between them, that is. Kinji's affections gradually shifted away from Suke and toward Akiku. When Suke turned up dead, Kinji suspected Akiku had something to do with it. After all, She was the last person to see Rihanna-suke, alive. Kinji concocted his story and turned himself in. Still baffled, I seek refuge in Osen's tea house. As I slide the door open and step inside, a wind chime above my head makes sweet, melodious sounds. Hiroshamase! Osen greets me in a sing-song tone and peers out from behind the door. Her voice is even sweeter. Whenever I feel like blowing off steam, I seek her company. Her demure beauty and soft voice never fail to soothe my frayed nerves. A kamaitachi real? Osun asks when she brings a teacup on a tray and sets it in front of me. Sure they are. I steal a furtive glance at her and quickly avert my eyes. Her cheeks blush pink. Let me tell you, no, stop. You know I'm easily frightened. Osun flashes a faint smile and waves her hand. What do they look like? Are they weasels with sickles? Don't be silly. I half-heartedly scold her. In short, a kamaitachi slits the victim's throat with its claws. Oh, how frightening. Why don't you catch it and decor it? It's easier said than done, but that may be the only way. Summoning a yokai involves considerable risk. You can't do it without consequence. I know that truth all too well. The Kamaitachi is in over its head with you. Osun keeps a stern face, but her eyes tell me she's half teasing. Her beguiling femininity takes my breath away. I control the urge to reach out and touch her. Don't pull my leg. I'm the one who's in over her head. Honestly, I'm at my wit's end here. My partner pays me no heed. Don't know how to stop the killings. (sighs) I sigh. Osun is so disarming. And I feel comfortable confiding in her. I'm sure you'll find a way. Osun sounds hopeful. She sits across the table. She reaches out. Holds my hand and gives it a gentle squeeze. Her hand feels cold and good there. My heart pounds in my ears, and I feel my cheeks flush. May your magic be your guide. Her voice reveals sincerity and affection. As I stare into the depths of her dark eyes, I struggle to find the appropriate words. Will we ever go beyond exchanging friendly banter? The door opens noisily, and Sasuke steps inside, short of breath. I click my tongue. Osun pulls her hand away. Here you are. Let's go. Sasuke gestures for me to follow him, oblivious of Osen. I hastily get up and bow to Osen. My gaze lingers on her a moment too long. She wears an indulgent smile. Where? What happened? I turn to Sasuke. A farmer stumbled upon another body. He wipes his brow and breaks into a sprint. I follow a few steps behind. When we reach the open field, we spot a middle-aged farmer's body lying lifelessly on the grass. We kneel down and examine the latest victim. He has the same wound in his throat as the previous victim's. We look up and exchange looks. Akamaitachi strikes again. I grip my teeth. don't say. Seeing this man's body leaves me crumpled. Some last resistance falls away. I have to be brave and think of the victim's. The future victims. Even if that means opening another dark door, I need to stop this monster. Now. I close my eyes and clasp together my hands over my chest, right above my obi, with my index fingers outstretched, tips touching. I chant a spell to summon a kamaitachi. What the devil are you doing? Sasuke's voice reveals a sense of alarm. Suddenly, the sky gets dark, I look up, but see no signs of rain. My skin breaks out in goosebumps despite the heat. Fierce gust blows down long stalks of Suzuki grass. The gust changes its direction and strikes our faces. Pebbles hit all over our bodies. I duck and cover my face with one hand. What the hell? Suzuki gasps. A weasel-like creature glides toward us, brandishing its blade-like claws. Watch out! I cry. I give Suzuki a shove and push him to the ground. The kamaitachi misses its target, barely grazing his cheek. Suzuki shrieks as bright blood oozes out of the cut flesh. I run to him and hold him in my arms. His face twists in pain. He holds my wrist hard enough to bruise it. Bastard got me. Suzuki smiles weakly before passing out. It's only a scratch. You're not going to die. I shake him hard, but he gives no response. Wake up! Don't pass out now! I click my tongue in frustration. I lay him on the ground and spring to my feet. In the distance, the Kamaitachi rides a dust devil, darting through the air like an arrow. It speeds towards me, slashing the air with its sickle-shaped claws. I pull my wakazashi out of my obi and chant the mantra my nurse taught me when I was a little girl. My Mantra wills a whirlpool of dust into existence. The whirl rises and clashes with the Kamaitachi. A sudden urge of rage frees me from pain. I dash forward, arm raised, and my Wakazashi takes the force of the Kamaitachi's claws slamming into it. My Wakazashi whistles through the air and shears clean through the Kamaitachi's clawed paw. Its raw scream pierces the air. I close my eyes as blood splashes me. Calm returns as the winds subside. A gentle breeze rolls off the dusty grass and tussles my disheveled hair, pushing it across my face, tickling my skin. I shoot my gaze around, but the Kamaitachi is gone, leaving behind its severed paw. I bite my lower lip until it bleeds. I savour the hard-fought victory, yet its taste is bittersweet. After all, nothing will bring back the victims. What happened? Sasuke slowly comes back to his senses, and I give him a hand to sit up. Are you hurt? Don't worry. It's over. I point toward the Kamaitachi's bloody paw on the ground can't hurt anyone anymore we'll use the poor as bait it'll come back and try to get it back great job partner i owe you one i wipe off the sticky blood with the yellow grass my bruised wrist throbs with pain i clench my fist and raise it high You've been listening to The Night's End Podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Kamaitachi Incident was written by Tashia Kamei. Tashia is a fiction writer whose short stories have appeared in such places as Bending Genres, New World Writing, and Smoke Long in Espanol, as well as the anthology's Daily Flights of Fantasy and Enchanted Entrapments. This episode was narrated by James Barnett. James is a writer, narrator, Editor, podcast producer, and reluctant transport manager. For more works from James, head to jamesbarnettcreative.com or connect with him on Twitter and Instagram at Jimmy Horrors. Mary, Edward, and Elizabeth were performed by Zoe, Mike, and Evie Ricard. Zoe and Mike are the hosts of the Stories of Strangeness podcast, where they discuss all things on the topics of paranormal, folklore, cryptids, hauntings, and more. To check it out, head over to storiesofstrangeness.com or search for it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Jimmy Horace was performed by James Barnett. This episode was edited and produced by James Barnett. This is just another reminder that we are open for specific submissions. We're currently accepting ghost and paranormal stories for a secret project. Head over to nightsendpodcast.com for more details and to submit via our form and as always stay horrific everyone.